Uh, this is 773 in the small print. I don't know what it is in the big print. Anyone? 1727. One, 1727. Okay, from Jeringong to Jerusalem. Let's go through another farewell. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. Serve the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. Not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watching over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage, will, so, so savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by his, this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading today is from the book of Matthew. It's the last passage in the book of Matthew. It's Matthew 28, uh, verses 16 to 20, and that is in the large print, page 1553. In the small print, it's 696. The Great Commission. 
Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, for those who are wondering, this I, I'm glad to see that some people got the memo about the blue shirt with the um, with the white dots on it. Um, for those of you who are wondering, um, this, is, this is actually a blue shirt, so I'm not wearing all black. <laughs> yeah, I should have had a white one. You're right. I should have. But anyway, um, apologise for those who don't let the reader understand. Um, how about I pray, and then we'll look at the Bible together. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you uh, that on this day we can come together as your people. Um, I want to thank, thank you for those who have come uh, from a distance to be with us today. Um, it's a real joy to see familiar faces, um, but it's also a great joy to meet with you, Lord. You're here every week, <laughs> uh, and you always meet with us. And Lord, we, we thank you that you've promised that when we gather together, you'll be with us and you'll speak to us. And so, Lord, we pray that you might do that again. Help me to speak truly and clearly, and we pray that you would encourage us and strengthen us for our walk with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. <sighs> well, what do you say on your last day? Um, it's a little bit hard. Uh, one of the things that uh, over the, um, the years, I've, I've kind of enjoyed looking at um, different famous last words. Um, sometimes they can be quite interesting. Um, just uh, Sometimes they can be, um, I, I guess, uh, they can be full of meaning and significance, um, even though they're very short. So, for instance, Jesus' last words, uh, it is finished. Think about all the significance of, of that small phrase, those three words, it is finished. Um, sometimes they're not quite so significant. Um, sometimes they're just um, plain. Um, um, that's how you describe it. Um, Buddy Rich, the jazz, the famous dra- jazz drum drummer, uh, died in the eighties, I believe. Uh, and as he was being, he was being prepared to go to surgery. Um, and as he was getting prepared to go to surgery, one of the nurses said, "Is there anything you can't take? Is there anything you're allergic to?" And he said, "Just country music." Um, some people's uh, last words are quite ironic, like uh, Major General John Sedwick, um, the uh, civil, American Civil War general, uh, who said they couldn't hit an elephant at this dist. <laughs> His last words. Um, and then there's those uh, those words that um, uh, that proved to be prophetic. Uh, some of you will have heard of Nostradamus. Um, he is. Uh, Purported to be able to be uh, to be able to tell the future. Uh, well, his famous last words are: "Tomorrow I shall no longer be here." He was right. He was right. Um, and, and finally, uh, the, these these words come from the the great uh, grammarian. Wouldn't that be a great title to be a grammarian? Somebody who loves grammar, like me. Um, Dominic, Dominic Bourgeois. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Uh, was a French grammarian, and his final words were: um, "I'm about to." Or I'm going to die. Either expression is correct. 
Now, you'll be pleased to know I'm not dying. Um, you may be pleased to know, I guess. Uh, but the, but these, uh, so these aren't my final words, but they may well be the final words uh, to this congregation in this kind of format. And so over the last couple of weeks, uh, so last week and this week, I've tried to look at, what the, at some of the last words in the Bible. Last week, you may remember, we looked at Moses and Joshua, um, some of their last words to the people. Today, I just want to look at one. I just want to look at, uh, at Paul's last words. So if you could open to Acts chapter 20, uh, you'll find Paul's last words to the, to the elders, particularly um, from Ephesus. <coughs> you'll be aware that Paul um, spent a lot of time travelling around Europe, um, not going on Kentucky tours, but um, taking the gospel. And uh, as he went, um, he started churches. And some, some places he stayed for a long time, uh, for a couple of years. Sometimes he just stayed for a couple of weeks. Uh, but wherever he went, he, he impacted people's lives. And so you can imagine he would have had, he would have had a, a bit of an impact on people as he went around. Well, today uh, we find that Paul is travelling back towards Jerusalem. So in verse 22, this is what he says to them. He says, Now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Paul knows that he's ruffled some feathers in Jerusalem. You may remember that he was actually trained as a Pharisee. Um, so he went through all of that and he was a, a rising star in the Jewish um, religious scene. Um, but then he, he jumped ship. He joined the enemy, literally the enemy, the ones that he had been trying to persecute, the ones he'd been trying to kill. Um, now he started to follow them. And so you can imagine how well that went down with his former colleagues. And so now Paul is going back to Jerusalem and he's, it's like he's going back into the lion's den. And he knows that, that he's gonna, he, trouble awaits him. And he's pretty certain that because of that, and he says it in verse 25, um, that I will never, I, I'm pretty certain that I will never see you again. I will never see you again. Uh, now, of course, I'm not like Paul. Um, I'm not afraid of going to Jeringong. I don't think I'm going to be arrested um, or flogged uh, or even killed when I get down there. Um, but uh, I, I do know this is probably the last chance I get an opportunity to speak in front of you like this. And so uh, as I looked at what Paul had to say, he kind of echoed some of the things that I really want to say. And so I want to think for a little bit about, about those, those words. He's got uh, a couple of reminders for them and a couple of challenges for them. So let's have a look at what he had to say. The first thing in particular that Paul wants to remind them of is his life and his teaching uh, while he was there. See, for Paul, um, being a leader in God's church is not just about um, having gifts. It's not just about even having the enthusiasm. For Paul, being a leader, the most important thing about being a leader is the kind of person that you are. And so if you read through Paul's letters to Timothy um, or his letter to Titus, um, you'll see some of the qualities he looks for in a leader. Temperance, self-control, respectability, being above reproach, being hospitable, being gentle, not greedy or drunken or violent or argumentative, able to manage your own family well. They're the kind of qualities that Paul calls for in a leader and they're the kind of things that Paul lives out in his life. I know some people give Paul a bit of a bad rap, um, they think he's maybe misogynistic or, uh, or bigoted or whatever, but, but whatever it is, you might think of him, Paul the man was not like that. Uh, Paul lived out what he believed. And so in verse 19, he reminds them that he always served them with humility and even with tears 
because they went through hardships together. He wants to remind them that he never coveted anything from them. He wasn't in it for what he could get out of them. Out of them, He didn't covet their gold or their clothing or whatever it might be. He always cared for himself and for those around him. He tells us in verse 24 that God has given him this task. And in the end, his job was just to carry out that task to the best of his ability. And that's what Paul did. To the extent that in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, he's able to say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. In other words, I want you to be like me, to live like me. It's pretty, pretty daunting kind of words, aren't they, to be able to say that. And yet to me, that's really what ministry is. Ministry really is a life of service uh, for pe- the people of God. I had a friend uh, from a previous church who used to tease me uh, because he said I only worked one day a week, <coughs> which <coughs> is probably true. Um, but no, of course, ministry is not like ministry is not just about standing up the front here on a Sunday morning, perhaps leading a Bible study during the week uh, every now and then. Uh, ministry is a, is a lifestyle. It's not a job that you clock in and clock out of. It's about your life. Uh, it's as much about the behind the scenes thing, the kind of things, that, the kind of person, you, the person that you are, as much as it, as it is about the upfront stuff. It's always. Um, worried me and saddened me when people kind of say things, you know, sometimes they're going through difficulties and, and I ask them, well, why didn't you say something? They say, oh, well, I know that you're really busy and I didn't want to trouble you. Um, and that always upsets me because I think if, if, if you can't talk to me or ask questions when, when times are difficult, then, then what am I here for? Because my life is, is, about, is about you guys. It's about serving you. And it's been a great joy and a privilege to be able to do that. Um, with my life um, over the last 16 years. But for Paul, leadership is not just about his life. There's more to it than that, of course. Uh, his, li- his ministry is also focused on the things that he says. Um, in 1 Timothy 4, verse 16, he says to Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely. And so for Paul, the things that he teaches are important. Have a look in verse 20 and verse 21 there, um, how he describes his teaching. He says, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that will be helpful to you, but I have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Paul knows that the gospel is the message of salvation. And so he hasn't stopped proclaiming that message. He's never held back. But of course, it hasn't just been there. that, of course. He doesn't just stop as if Paul's only got one sermon, the gospel sermon, and that's it. No, Paul has, he says, there's nothing that I've held back from you. Later on, I think it's in verse 27, he says that I, I've taught you the whole counsel of God or the whole will of God. My goal has been to teach you God's truth from A to Z, or from Alpha to Omega. Um, I've, I've got to proclaim to you everything about the gospel the good things and the difficult things. And so when you read through Paul's letters, you, see, you hear that, don't you? Paul doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't avoid any of the difficult conversations. In fact, Paul is ready to, fa- to, to face them head on. You see, being, a, being a, 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 a Bible teacher or being a leader in a church is about, partly is about the things that you say. It's important, the things that you say. Paul knows um, how hard, how easy it is to be taken away from the gospel. In fact, as you read through um, the New Testament, 
often Paul is writing against false teaching. It doesn't help a congregation for a teacher, for a Bible teacher, to change God's teaching. Now, there's a temptation to do that, particularly in the 21st century, isn't there? There's so many things in our culture, in our society, that say, you know, this is not appropriate to teach anymore. That's a first century idea. It's a Stone Age idea, and we've moved beyond that now. Our culture has, has advanced. But Paul would say, no, the truths of God are constant. And Paul didn't hold back from anything. And it doesn't, uh, it doesn't help when Christian leaders in the 21st century try to change what Paul is saying or try to, to, to skip out on the more difficult parts. That's why over the past 16 years that I've been here, it's been a real goal of mine to do exactly what Paul has done here. We've managed over the last 16 years to, to look at 59 of the 66 books in the Bible. I apologise that we didn't get the last seven. It's not because they're no good, it's just that we did, I ran out of time. Should have got saved for another year at least, maybe. <laughs> um, but also that we've addressed some of the really significant topics. Uh, we've looked at homosexuality and same-sex marriage. We've looked at domestic abuse, at work, at family, at divorce, at euthanasia, at, at money, at depression and anxiety, about prayer, refugees, the environment, other religions, science, evolution, and many more. We can't hold back from teaching the whole truth of God. And that's what I've, what I've endeavoured to do here for the last, uh, the last 16 years. And one of the things I love about this church is how you soak up God's word. You soak up everything that God has said. Now you may be wondering, why is Steve saying these things to us? It sounds like he's bragging. It sounds a little bit like, like Paul's bragging here. Focusing on, look at me, what a great guy I am. Look at the things I've done. Uh, but I want, to, I want to say to you, that's not the reason. You see, Paul, the reason Paul tells the Ephesian leaders these things, he says, I've lived a life and I've taught the things I've taught because these are two things that I think are vital for you. This is what every Christian needs to do. As I've lived a life, you should live a life. The things that I've taught, you need to hold on to. In verse 35, he says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this, this kind of hard work, we must, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. In other words, Paul's life was an example to them. The way, the way Paul did things, he did it with a, with a goal in mind, that they might see it and be inspired. Imitate me as I imitate Christ, Paul says. Live the way I have lived. Do what I have done. Christ, I've served because God's served me. He's given to me and so I give. And so God has given to you and so now you give. Paul's life was meant to be an inspiration, an example to them. But the same is true of his teaching. Paul worked hard to teach them the truth, not so that they can, uh, he can get more likes than the other preachers of the day, but so that people would follow the truth. Because he knows that when he goes, they will be tempted to leave it. In verse 29, uh, this is what he says. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, people will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day and with tears. 
Paul knows that there will come a time when someone will come in and say, well, yes, that's all very well, but don't you think that's just a bit outdated? Don't you think that we need to move beyond that? Don't you think that we need to massage or change or ignore some of the truth? Paul knows that these savage wolves will come in to try and take people away from God. That's why he's focused so intently on teaching the whole will of God because he wants them to know the will of God so they can hold it and they can continue to trust it. And I feel the same as Paul. I really, really don't want you to look at me and say, what a great guy. I don't want you to say, what a great preacher, what a lovely preacher. What I really want is if you found any encouragement from the, from the way you've seen me live as a person, or if you've learned anything from God's word in the last 16 years, then let me encourage you to do the same, to, t- to take up that baton and keep running, to keep moving forward. You need to live lives of love and service to each other. In the coming months, you're going to need each other because it's going to be difficult. While we await to see what happens with the church, where the church is going in the future, it's going to be hard. Your leaders are going to find it hard. Your, the staff, the wardens, the parish council. It's going to be difficult. They've got big decisions to make um, and they're going to need you. They're going to need your presence. Uh, Nobody gets encouraged by walking to a church that's empty, do we? Um, We're going to need your presence. But we're also going to need, you're going to need to be there for each other emotionally as well as as physically. Um, You're going to need to pray with and for each other. You're going to need to care for each other. You're going to need to keep on being hospitable and welcome each other into your homes. You're going to need to keep on living out the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience with each other. Paul lived a life that was meant to be an example. And so he now calls on us to do the same, to pick up that life and run with it, live a life that is honouring to God. But also, don't let anything or anyone take you away from the truth that you've been taught. It's quite possible that in the the future, somebody will stand in this church at this very pulpit and try and take you away from the truth. They might say, you know, these, these are things that have been taught in the past, but we don't, we don't need those things anymore. Now we've, we've come into a new way. And so I hope that from the foundation that you've received for the last 16 years, you're able to say, no, I want to encourage you to keep on reading the, reading the Bible for yourselves. Keep on meeting in your growth groups and studying God's word. Maybe do PTC or something like that. Study the Bible for yourself. Keep on clinging to the truth that is there. Because savage wolves will come. And I want you to be protected from those. So cling to the truth. Read it, listen to it, study it, trust it, live it. So Paul wants them to see his life and his teaching and to do the same, to live a life and to to hold on to the teaching. But there's one more thing that Paul wants to do. Um, You see, for Paul, he's not just an intellectual. He's not just a a university professor. He's not just a teacher or even a preacher or even a leader. This is not just a job for him. He loves his people. That's why three times in this passage we hear about his tears. Paul cries for his people. He weeps for them because he loves them deeply. 
And so in the light of his leaving, there's only one thing he can do. In verse 32, he, oh, sorry, uh, he falls on his knees, not verse 32, sorry, um, verse 36. On, when he's finished speaking, he kneels down with all of them and prays. Paul knows that there's only one person that he can trust with these people. There's only one leader that could be trusted to do what is right. In verse 32, you get a bit of an idea of what he prays. He says, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and gives you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I commit you to God, he says. He is the one who will help you stand firm. He is the one who will give you grace. He is the one who will give you that eternal inheritance. In the end, all he can do is leave them in God's hands, which, of course, are the best hands to, to leave them in. They're the only capable hands, really, the only ones assured of bringing to fulfilment what Paul has started. And, of course, that's how I feel. Um, it's, it's, six, it's been a beautiful 16 years. I've loved being here. It's been a real privilege and a joy. Um, and I love you guys, um, which is why it's so hard to say goodbye. Um, however, uh, like Paul, I know that I'm not leaving you alone. Um, even if uh, it takes a while to find a new, a new minister or whatever it might be, that God is here. God's hands are on you. He's the one who will protect you and hold you and grow you and change you to be like Jesus. So please, whatever you do, if you've learned anything or if you've been inspired in any way over the last 16 years, I want to encourage you to take those lessons, take those inspirations and put them into your life. Live a Christian life. Keep on loving God, each other, the world. Keep on proclaiming the truth. Keep on living the truth. I want you to know that I love you. Um, and I leave you in God's hands. Can I pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we, we do thank you for your great love for us, that you've held nothing back from us. You gave us your only son to die that we might live. Father, I want to thank you so much for this church. Thank you for calling us together as your people in this place. Lord, I pray that you would help us to grab hold of the things that Paul was teaching, that the example of, of his life, the, the content of his message, Lord, I pray that you would help each of us to hold on to those things, that we won't just hold on to them intellectually, but that we will put them into practice in our lives, that we would live for each other, to serve each other, to love each other, and that we would always hold on to the truth you've given us. Help us to proclaim it, to trust it, and to live it. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his great glory. Amen.